Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. As our 2023 opponent preview series continues, we talk the Gamecocks week two opponent and in-state matchup against the Furman Paladins of the FCS. And who better to help us break it down than the voice of the Furman Paladins, the play-by-play man, Dan Scott. He joins the show to talk all things Furman football. Dan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It is a pleasure to have you on. Well, Chris, thank you for asking me. Looking forward to... uh talking some Furman football with you. Absolutely, Dan. So as we dive into it, before we look at this year's team, let's look at back at last year because it was a historic year for the Furman football program. 10-3 and three overall record, 7-1 and one in the SoCon. And most importantly, Furman won their first FCS playoff game since 2017. Just talk about the 2022 season it was and all the great accomplishments for the Paladins a season ago. 
you know, it, it was a fun season. And, and as the, the story unfolded, as, as the year went on, there, there were a, a couple of storylines that began to emerge one. And I don't think this is any secret with any football team, high school, college, or professional. <clears throat> it, it starts with quarterback play and, and what Tyler Huff brought to our offense is something we have not had at the quarterback position, maybe going back as far as Billy Napier, quite honestly. Um, his, his ability to throw the football, his ability to run the football, his decision-making, knowing when to run, when, and in fact, sometimes they had to kind of reel him in because he, 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 uh, as, Tommy Spangler, who joined our staff last year as a defensive coach, was his former head coach at, at Presbyterian College. I asked Tommy, I said, what do I need to know about him? He said he's a quarterback with a linebacker's mentality. <laughs> and, and they had to reel in his, his running a little bit because he would just as soon try to run over somebody as he would try to run around them. But as the season went on and he got more comfortable in, in Justin Roper, our new offensive coordinator's offense, it, it really highlighted what had been missing from Furman's offense. And, and it's, it's just that quality level of quarterback play. So you put that together with the best offensive line that we've had probably since I've been there. And, and this fall, I'll be going into my 13th season. You put that together with a dominant stable of running backs with a talented wide receiver core and with an All-American tight end, and you had an offense that was awfully fun to watch. The other side, the other storyline that developed was how the defensive front began to emerge and exert itself as the year went on, up to and including blocking 10 kicks over the course of the season. And it became one of those things where you you kept telling yourself, certainly they can't do it again, and they did. And then they would do it again and again. Um, and, and you know this as well as anybody. When you can rush the passer with your front four, it makes it easier to play pass defense in the secondary. And, and despite a couple of injuries, they were able to get uh, consistent pressure up front. And it just became a, a, a cohesive – thing on both sides of the football that built momentum and, and and quite honestly we all walked away from that second playoff game when we lost by three to incarnate word everybody thought that we should have won that game i mean we had a game tying field goal attempt in our back pocket and and tyler made one of his rare bad decisions throwing deep into double coverage at the end of the game trying to force the ball into ryan miller and it was intercepted and then you see what Incarnate Word did to Sacramento State, and and then you get to the semifinals that they they went to against North Dakota State. This this is a team that's got a chance to be special this year, and, and a lot of it's coming off of that momentum, the depth that's coming back. I think it's like thirty eight of the top forty four and the two deep are back mm-hmm. for this team. It, it's you, you never know what's going to happen as a year unfolds, but on paper this is going to be an awfully good football team again. 
Dan, let's talk a little bit about Clay Hendricks, the head coach of the Paladins, going in his seventh season. Just talk about the job he's done with Furman football to this point and how the fan base of Furman football feels about what he's done to this point. Clay is a joy. I mean, he really is. He 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 is a Furman guy. He played here, graduated here, coached here before he went off to um, the Air Force Academy for 10 years as an assistant and then, and then you know, got the job here as the head coach leading into 2017. He, he is, he's just a guy who believes that you can win at Furman and, and the, the, you know, the high academic standards other, other people look at as a detriment. He embraces it. Um, he knows they have to go after a certain kind of kid. They have done a fantastic job of identifying those type of players They've expanded their recruiting footprint. We're starting to get, and this has been going on for three or four years now, starting to get players regularly out of Texas, which prior to him getting here, I don't think we had ever done. And he, he and his staff are just great at, at identifying the type of player it takes to be successful at Furman and then coaching them up. It's a development program. You know, uh, we, we do have some transfers, but – that, that's another story we can get into, I guess. But by and large, you come here as a freshman, 90% of the freshmen are going to redshirt and, and and expect to be contributors over the course of a five-year career. That That is unique in college athletics today. It, it's, it's unique even at the FCS level. Uh, it's unique in the Southern Conference. Um, but but he has he's put the pieces of the puzzle together. They've upgraded the game day experience uh, at Furman. He's been a big part of that. Uh, I, I just, I just can't tell you how great he's been to work with. Dan, let's move into the 2023 outlook for this Furman Paladins football team. As you mentioned, it could be a special year, and it starts on the offensive side with your quarterback Tyler Huff. As you mentioned, coming back 2,200 passing yards a season ago and 15 passing touchdowns to go along with. 694 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. Like you mentioned, that linebacker at quarterback mentality. You do lose your top tight end, Ryan Miller, to the NFL, but you bring back your top three pass catchers in Joshua Harris, Kendall Dean, and Wayne Anderson. Dominic Roberto, the leader in the running game, 11 or 1,120 yards a season ago, 11 touchdowns. And like you mentioned, the offensive line, three of five return, led by All-American candidate Pearson Toomey. So it sounds like to me, Dan, that Furman should be explosive on the offensive side yet again. Again, on paper, they, they absolutely should. And I, and I think the other advantage we have is that everybody now is going into their second year in Justin Roper's offensive system, which I loved watching it, you know, up close and personal last year for the first time. Um, the, the way he spreads the ball around, the way he maximizes getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers, he's not afraid to take shots down the field. It, it, it's a fun offense to watch the thing about the offensive line a year ago was we had a couple of of season ending injuries to guys who were expected to be primary backups in fall camp so that front five last year if you look at the the uh, snap percentage played i don't know 90 95 percent of the snaps over the course of the year and, and and so you're just blessed that you didn't 
you didn't get somebody hurt. Um, we would have had four coming back, but Evan Jumper uh, transferred to Coastal Carolina for his graduate season because Furman didn't have a graduate program that fit what he wanted to do. But with Jake Johanning, uh, Wyatt Hughes, and as you mentioned, Pearson Toomey coming back to anchor that, all redshirt seniors. And then the two guys who were hurt last year, uh, Garrick Vollmer, who j- just had a leg that got torn up in, in practice. He, he's a 6'5", 298-pounder transferred in out of Old Dominion. And, and then a, a young man, I know they're really high on, Luke Pettit, who had an, uh, a knee injury last year in camp. Those two guys are going to provide some some depth. Uh, probably, I would imagine that Volmer's on track to be one of the starting guards. Um, and, and then, you know, a couple of other additions, plus what they've done recruiting-wise. I think the biggest addition, literally and figuratively, was uh, Fred Norman, the, the kid who came in from East Tennessee State, 6'7", 340-pound tackle uh, to, to play his graduate season here. So I think the offensive line is going to be fine, and it's going to have more depth, you know, barring injuries. But the the you, you mentioned Dominic Roberto, the the stable of running backs behind him, the depth there is just ridiculous. The wide receiver depth is ridiculous. Uh, if if everything unfolds the way that it should in year two in this system, it's going to be a fun offense. Yeah, you've got to replace Ryan Miller's production. But I have full confidence that Justin Roper will be able to do that. Now, switching sides of the football, Dan, you look at the defense, and experience is what really jumps out to me. You return 10 starters, but you return your top 11 tacklers from 2022 in a squad that surrendered just 20.2 points per game. You led the FCS in turnovers gained a season ago mm-hmm. with 29. And again, 10 starters from that group are back, led by Braden Gilby, Bryce McCormick at the linebacker position, Matt Shavoka, Jack Barton, and Luke Clark all return up front. And then you look in the back end, all SoCon cornerback, Travis Blackshear returns, Hugh Ryan and Cam Brinson man the safety spots. The big question for Furman going to this year, Dan, is the pass defense, it appears, number 16 against the run last year. They were number 115 in the country against the pass a season ago. So getting the secondary shored up is certainly something they'll want to focus on, especially when you look at a game like against a South Carolina, which we'll get into in just a second. But talk about this Furman Paladins defense, because again, even with maybe those passing numbers, this was a group that obviously got the job done last year. Yeah, and I think those numbers are a little deceiving because we we play in a conference that has transitioned from three or four teams that run the option to just about everybody throws it all over the place. I think what you have to look at is that that bottom line number, which is points allowed, and, and look at the point differential over the course of the season. Do, do they need to shore some things up? Absolutely. But there, there's an awful lot of talent there and when you play teams like Sanford who run it at a at an at a breakneck pace and and they throw it you know 75% 80% of the time you're going to give up yards but do you give up points and i think that's probably the the biggest the biggest thing that you look at um you know Hugh Ryan's a a, a third team preseason all american getting Travis Blackshear back for a graduate season i think was a little unexpected because he initially went into the transfer portal and decided to come back um th- there again is is a lot of talent there the depth up front 
is the thing I think that should frighten people. All those people you mentioned, you got Jeremiah Jackson, who came uh, is coming back off of a season-ending injury early in the season last year. That that front four for the Paladins, and it even if you want to go into the linebackers, make it the front seven, it is incredibly deep and incredibly talented uh, at our level. There are not going to be a lot of teams who can match the depth that we run out there. Now, moving to special teams, Dan, like you mentioned, something that jumped out when I was looking at this preview, doing some research on the Paladins, led the FCS in blocked kicks with 10 a season ago. And obviously at South Carolina, we love special teams. I mean, you probably see my shirt, Beamer Ball, mm-hmm. we talk about it all the time. So I respect it, man. Special teams, obviously a facet of the game that not everybody puts emphasis on. Not everyone talks about. Obviously, Furman was doing something right. Anytime you block 10 kicks in a season, that's certainly the case. Anything jump out to you about Furman's special teams going into this year? Do you expect, could they possibly do it again? Block kicks at that rate? And and in the return game, kicking game, punting game, what stands out for Furman going into this year? Well, you know, I I, I just think the, the, the question on everybody's mind is, how could you possibly do that again? <laughs> and and, and the, the thing that, that I keep going back to is, you know, it, it, it was like, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Largely, Matt Sachovka and and Jack Barton, you know, more than anybody uh, in the interior of that defensive line who who just were able to overmatch the people who were trying to block them and, and getting in and, and and getting hands on kicks. Um, it wasn't any, you know, any special scheme or anything. It, it was just this is what we do and, and we're going to keep doing it. Um, expecting them to block 10 kicks again this year would, would be, I think, a little unreasonable. But I'll say this, if they did it, it wouldn't surprise me because you've got the same cast of characters back. Um, you've got great speed in, in the back end uh, to when it comes to returning kickoffs and Wayne Anderson Jr. and Kendall Thomas. Uh, the, the, the punt return team, you know, Clay, Clay Hendricks' big thing is not necessarily having somebody back there who's going to turn in the the highlight real punt return. He wants somebody who's going to catch it and secure it and and, and not be afraid to, to catch it under pressure as opposed to letting the ball bounce and roll another 15 or 20 yards You know, to maximize field position. Uh, so I, 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 special teams-wise, they're in – they're in good shape. Again, if you look at the roster top to bottom, the 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 depth that is coming back in every phase of the game 
it is just so out of the ordinary for what you normally see in the college ranks these days because of the transfer portal and NIL and all of those other things, even at the FCS level. Now, does that mean automatically you're going to have another 10 plus win season? No, you got to go out and earn it. But um, I think in all three phases of the game, top to bottom. And again, I, when I got here, th- there was some pretty good football being played. Um, but I don't think that I've, that I can recall in, in 13 years seeing a, a team that was on paper as complete as this one. Dan, let's switch gears a little bit before we get into the overall outlook and talk about the South kind of game. Cause you've mentioned transfer portal NIL. And it's so funny. We spend so much time obviously talking Gamecocks and SEC football. Like those are such top of mind issues because you're dealing in it, dealing with it on a day in day out basis, the transfer portal. And then of course, NIL and recruiting. Is that something at the FCS level? I mean, to your point, South Carolina's top receiver this year is juice Wells who came from James Madison, at FCS school. So obviously the transfer portal is affecting these FCS schools, especially, you know, big time school or big SEC schools, ACC, whoever it is cherry picking kind of the top guys and bringing them on their roster. So obviously that's another challenge for FCS coaches, but I'm just curious, you know, again, we talk about these issues every day is NIL and transfer portal affecting the FCS level, the way it's affecting the FBS level necessarily. I don't know how much NIL is. I, I know that, you know, that Furman has some NIL stuff. Uh, I, I don't know how big of a deal that is. It, it, it is, you know, part of the process. But the transfer portal, it, it absolutely is affecting the FCS. Uh, I mean, you can just look in, in, in the Southern Conference and, and, and see schools whose rosters just in the last two years have had you know, 60, 70% turnover. And what you have is you have have guys who are coming from FBS schools down to play at the FCS level. If they're not getting to play in time they want there, they're coming down and, and playing at FCS schools. So when, when you look around our conference, when you look around the, the FCS landscape, I mean, just look at what North Dakota State has done over the years. They've made a living even before the transfer portal became a thing. They've made a living on getting FBS level transfers to come into their program, and and you see how dominant they've been for the last decade. So yeah, it is a, it is something that that has a a wide ranging effect on FCS football. the The interesting thing about Furman, and, and I have to be careful when I say this because when I say it, oftentimes it's taken as a knock on other schools, and I don't mean it that way necessarily. But Furman, from an academic standpoint, considers itself, and I think rightly so, one of the highest academic standard schools in the country. And they do not make exceptions for athletes. They do not make academic exceptions. And up until two years ago, Furman did not have a graduate program, which means that we were losing kids who could have played an extra year and were unable to bring in the rare graduate transfer that that could finish their career here and have an opportunity to to get a graduate degree. Two years ago, they instituted kind of a hybrid business grad program that has not solved all the problems, but it has it has helped. But even at that, Clay Hendricks, Bob Ritchie basketball, w- w- every coach on campus 
there's still a standard that they have to, an academic standard they have to adhere to when they bring somebody onto this campus as a, as a grad student or as a rare undergraduate transfer, which, which rarely happens. I, I think we have two or three on the football team, but you look at the, the makeup of this roster, 95, 97% of the kids on this roster recruited, redshirted, developed. That is unusual in our conference. It's unusual at the FCS level because the transfer portal, like it has, it doesn't get as much publicity, but like it has at the FBS level, it's turned it into the Wild West. And, and there are coaches who are not shy about using it. And what we're finding out, and I was talking to our defensive coordinator, Dwayne Vaughn, just a couple of days ago. I think we have 13 commitments already for this next signing class that's coming up and in a time frame where normally we only have maybe four or five. And he was telling me what he has seen is high school players in the last couple of years have gotten burned by coaches going into the transfer portal. And they're wanting to make sure now that they get a spot at a place that they, they like, and they know that they can compete before those scholarship offers are not available because of the transfer port. So in, in, in a kind of bizarre way, it, it's almost benefited Furman because with Clay's model of recruiting, developing, it, it's, it's opening more doors for those type of players because some of the other opportunities they may have are not available now because of coaches all across the football landscape going into that transfer portal for players. Now, Dan, as we look back on the field in this 2023 Paladins team, like you mentioned, experience is really what jumps out to you. 18 starters back, eight on offense, 10 on defense. You mentioned this earlier, 38 of 44 players from the two deep are back. I mean, that that's unheard of, like you mentioned. This is a preseason top 10 FCS team, so Furman obviously is expected to compete and be a factor in the playoff once again. And as we look at the Paladins' 2023 schedule, you open up with Tennessee Tech on Thursday, August the 31st, then that road trip to South Carolina, which we'll get into in a sec, then at Kennesaw State, Mercer, you then have your bye week. You've got the Citadel at Samford at Western Carolina, East Tennessee State at Chattanooga, VMI, and then you close out the season at Wofford in Spartanburg. Just talk a little bit, Dan, about that 2023 schedule and how you think it shakes out for the Furman, and pa Furman Paladins this season. Well, the, the first thing that, that jumps out is Clay is not one who likes to play two FBS schools in the same season, and, and through happenstance, kind of we are. Besides South Carolina, Kennesaw State is transitioning. So they're going to be a team. They're they're not. I, I don't think they're fully to eighty five scholarships yet, but they're going to have I don't know ten, twelve more scholarship players than than Furman does when when we go there to play. And this was a game that was supposed to be played a few years back and and had to be moved for one reason or another. So that that's going to be a challenge. Uh, the the back to back games with Samford and Western Carolina. <clears throat> you you've got two teams who run similar offenses and want to go at that breakneck speed and throw it all over the place. The games that we've had with them in the past couple of years have been, have been track meets. Um, and, and, you know, the Citadel is going to be interesting, you know, for the old school 
people, that's Furman's biggest rival. And, and they have a new coach, a new, a new staff. And, you know, everybody went, everybody wins on social media, you know, that, but you know, you see what they're talking about social media with recruiting and all of this other stuff. And uh, so it, it's, that's a fun football game every year. Uh, the, the, <clears throat> The bottom line is you're you're in a a situation where you control your own destiny from the standpoint that if you win the conference, you're going to get an automatic bid. If you don't win it, it's like the NCAA basketball tournament. You put your hand your your fate in the hands of people who go behind closed doors and call themselves a committee. And Furman got in last year at seven and one in in, in conference play. Um but the the league probably should have had at least one more, and there was an argument for two more. That this that this is a a good good FCS football league. So you take nothing for granted. You you take absolutely nothing for granted. You know the Paladins won some games last year that in previous years the ball bounced the other way or they didn't make a play. Uh, you know I don't know how the year's going to be is going to play out. I just know that it's it's a fun group to watch, and with the experience and talent and depth, the expectations, and I think the expectations are warranted. The expectations are this is going to be a top ten football team with a chance to make a deep playoff. Now, Dan, as we look specifically at that South Carolina game, uh, I, I want to hear from your side again the significance of the in-state matchup and a team like Furman playing South Carolina, because we're hearing it right at the SEC level. And again, the, the, the power five little about scheduling eight game versus nine game conference schedule. And a lot of fans, you'll hear them say, you know, get rid of the quote unquote cupcake games. When they say that they're talking about games like this, they're talking about the SEC versus FCS matchups, but there's another side to it, right? Which is the side of a Furman, the side of the Citadel, the side of Wofford, whoever it is, that school in particular, what does a game like this mean to a school like Furman? And again, I, I want to be careful with the way I'm phrasing it because this is not a typical FCS matchup where it's like you can expect Carolina will roll their helmets out there, win 49 nothing. Just ask Clemson a season ago in which I know that you guys lost the Tigers 35-12, to but that was a game Furman outgained Clemson. I mean, they gave them all they wanted and more. So talk about though the significance of a game like this because we hear it every day from the FCS or excuse me, the SEC perspective and that those fan bases. From the Furman perspective, from the FCS perspective, why are these games important? And I, and obviously the in-state factor of it as well. Well, you know, there are a couple of things. Uh number one, uh, a lot of these kids ha- had dreams of playing at a big level at the FBS level. So it's an opportunity for them to, to play on that stage. But, you know, let's, let's be honest. It, it there, there's the business aspect of it. And, and when you play as Furman, when you play a uh, South Carolina, when you play a Clemson, and I don't know what the, the payout in the contract is, but I'm going to assume it's probably somewhere between 400,000 and, and six or $650,000 somewhere in that window for our athletic department, that's huge, you know, because we don't have the massive television contracts. We don't have 60, 70, 80,000 people in the stands buying tickets and, and all of, all of that revenue. You know, we average probably about 10,000 fans 
a game, and that's up over the last couple of years. So it, the 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 financial impact cannot be ignored. It cannot be understated. And I think that's one of the conversations that athletic directors and football coaches at the FCS level are having now it is what happens if the FBS schools decide they're not going to play these games anymore, especially the power five conferences. You know, what happens if, if the SEC decides to go to that nine game conference schedule, are they going to get rid of a group of five game or are they going to get rid of the FBS, the uh, FCS game? How are they going to go about that? Nobody knows the answer to that right now, but it's a discussion that's happening because at, at our level, those games, as fun as they are, and as much as we love going to the big stadiums, and you know, I've been able in the time that I've been here to broadcast from South Carolina twice, from Clemson three times, from Michigan State, from LSU, from Florida, to I mean, you know, Virginia Tech a couple of times. It's great going into those atmospheres. And the kids want to go in and compete. Bottom line is the bottom line that our athletic department, just like every FCS athletic department, needs that paycheck. And so the conversations are what happens if that paycheck goes away? How do you recover? So that's why above and beyond anything else, these games are important for schools like Furman or, or any other FCS school. It's, it's such a, a big boost to the athletic department's budget. The bottom line, if you, if you take, you know, you take half million dollars out of South Carolina's budget, it, it's not going to, it's not going to mean very much, quite honestly. You take half million dollars out of Furman's budget, and now, you know, you've got people who 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 may have to worry about being laid off. Mm. I mean, it, it 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 it's that, and and maybe that's that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I don't think it's much. Now, Dan, as we look at this again, South Carolina game specifically, I ask you this: question. Now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Actually, going to firm in a top 10 team in the FCS level bringing back all the experience they do. South Carolina, of course, opens up with UNC. This is a week two matchup night game at williams Bryce Stadium. I'm sure you, you've experienced that before. It'll be a raucous environment, of course, the home opener for South Carolina. And I have picked this as a win for the Gamecocks, but I've picked it much closer, I think, than folks would expect me to or liked me to. I look at Furman again. I, I, all of South Carolina fans are expecting this is a W, but I ask you this question because after last year, I look at the fits that Furman gave Clemson, and I'll ask you, do you believe Furman can actually compete and potentially give South Carolina a game, maybe even into the fourth quarter? 
maybe pull the upset. Is it possible that Furman could do that? Well, I think anything is possible. Yeah, the, the the question is, is it likely? And, and it, it, probably not, if I'm being honest. But, you know, it, it's a funny game, and that's a funny-shaped ball. And, and the, the, the thing that Furman has going for it and and we saw it against Clemson last year, even though we didn't realize perhaps how deep the team was and was going to be. You know, you you, you mentioned it was 35-12 was the final. Well, Clemson had its first team defense on the field in the fourth quarter in a goal line stand to try to keep us out of the end zone. And, and you know, that's a that's a game where we turned it over once and then we missed a couple opportunities offensively that if those two things happen, Suddenly, you're talking about a one-score game, and Furman has the ball in the fourth quarter. Same type of thing would have to happen at South Carolina. Normally, what you see in a FBS-FCS matchup is as the game goes on, not only does the talent level take over, but the depth of the FBS team takes over. And and, and I'm sure South Carolina is a, a... a deeper, more talented football game. I don't think there's any football team. I don't think there's a question about that. But what I don't think you're going to see is a tremendous drop-off when we do play our second-string guys because of that 38 of 44 and the two deep coming back and, and, and that kind of depth. Furman will have to take care of the football. South Carolina will have to make some mistakes. And and then what you hope for is that you're in that one-score game late in the football game and all of the pressure suddenly is on South Carolina and, and their home opener, in their home environment and all of that stuff. Gamecocks are going to be heavily favored. They should be heavily favored and, and, and will more than likely win the game. But I will be shocked if Furman – does not give South Carolina some fits at, at certain parts of that football game. Can't wait to see it, man. Week two of the college football season, Gamecocks and Paladins under the lights at williams Bryce Stadium. Dan Scott, the play-by-play voice, the Furman Paladins, and the Greenville Drive, by the way, does a fantastic job. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Chris, appreciate it. 